0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of Journey Now, produced by Journey Church in Brentwood, Tennessee. For more information on Journey Church and our gatherings, visit journeytn.com.
1: Welcome to another Journey Now podcast, and we are gathering here to discuss what has been going on on Sundays, because what has been going on on Sundays has been a series It's really the most important thing. What's uh, going on on Sundays. Right, there's nothing else. And, Sunday yeah, supper, and just so you know, kombucha. my name is Kevin, and I'm here with the crew today, Susie and Tim and Mike.
2: Say hi, everybody. Hey, everybody. Hi. hi. I'm hi, looking everyone. at. <laughs> Tim has some raw kombucha. Is that how you pronounce it? Because T- Tim an has in been there. made fun of a whole bunch <laughs> today, and it's been a hard morning for me. <laughs> oh, and 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 it's so tangerine dream yeah. is the flavor. Yeah. And here's the promise. Here's yeah. the marketing. Yeah, yeah. Renew, rebalance, rebuild, reclaim, rekindle, recharge. <laughs> yeah. I would look at me. And <laughs> <laughs> no. and there are 9 billion living probiotics. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Did they count? Yeah. I mean, how do they know? Yeah, that's yeah, a, it's, that's it's, a large number, guys. Yeah, yeah, I really wish I
0: brought my kombucha in because it would say a lot about our personalities. Oh. So
2: how's your kombucha different?
0: Well, mine is called Rowdy Mermaid.
2: Right. <laughs> oh, perfect! Yep, <laughs> switch. Timmins is called Synergy. <laughs> yeah, hot guy. You know, GT's Synergy. I'm drinking black
3: coffee, guys. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: I literally buy that kombucha because I love the brand name. Really? Yes.
3: Rowdy Mermaid. <laughs>
0: rowdy Mermaid. <laughs> well,
3: I Welcome think we've been back back every summer of <laughs> Susie. <laughs> rowdy Mermaid at journeytn.com. Yes. Yes. the
0: best brandy. It's it so great. It is. Who well, wouldn't want to drink that?
2: No, <laughs> well, I wouldn't, frankly, but that's okay. <laughs>
0: that would actually be really funny to watch you drinking funny. a Rowdy Mermaid. Well, kombucha. yeah. <laughs>
2: What is what is kombucha? I still don't know. Like, what is it? What, what isn't it? It's fir- yeah. It's evidently it's re- a firmin- reclaimed. Have it's a firmin- you ever seen
0: a, a scoby?
3: Yeah, we, this is the I part that I don't want to talk about. Oh, it okay. looks
0: like placenta.
2: Placentia? Placentia? Placenta. Placentia is the city I lived in yeah. in California. Just to be clear,
0: I'm so Susie, so I'm so happy she said that because yeah. that's what I would say. I would say something
3: stupid like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: So it looks like Placentia.
0: Looks like Torrance. You know
3: what I mean? Yeah, exactly yeah. right.
0: Yes. Listen, I just came yeah. back from there. I've yeah. got California on there. There's on the mind. Inland
3: Empire <laughs> and the yeah. Outland oh, Riverside. Oh. It's got yeah. a little hint of no, Riverside. No, no but okay. a
0: scoby is like, you know, it's like the base of the, oh. it's like we're all the... All the bacteria I, ferments and it like makes all this goodness that you then add juice or tea to, and yeah. then it gives you like a really healthy gut, which really <laughs> is the answer think. to all of your problems. All right, let me ask you is a question:
2: If you eat your boogers, <laughs> that's that's it's not culture it's, a of kind of it's not a different kind of sort I mean, maybe, maybe if kind you of ferment
0: your boogers because okay. it's all yeah. about the fermentation. Okay.
2: Yeah. All right, thank you. Sorry, that Kevin, looks go like Antioch. Well, okay. that, continue. That was fun. <laughs> I'm just saying, that's a lot to put on a kombucha bottle. Yeah. It is. With all those R's. Yeah, it is. That's yeah. a lot. Maybe
0: yeah. a kombucha company will want to sponsor us now.
2: Yes. <laughs> totally.
3: I doubt <Yes>. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because kombucha
0: is expensive.
3: It is. Well, we could here's use the deal. a sponsorship. Can I just say something really quick? I'm going to be real quick on <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, this. Sure. Uh, Tim. So I, when I go to the, the Publix, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I will only buy kombucha if it's buy one, get one free. Ah, Because it's so cheap and ah. I can't. Pass up a cheap deal like that? <laughs> we call and that Bogo, and don't. you don't care what kind of brand it is. Nope, I really don't. Okay. I mean, unless it's mermaids, <laughs> fantasy or whatever. Yeah, it's mystic is. rowdy yeah, it's mermaid. mermaid. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. So continue. Not co- right, Mystic mermaid. Combinations for rowdy. Yeah. <laughs> all right, everybody's a little rowdy this morning. Yeah.
1: That was the one R <laughs> that is here. We are. On this one, and we are we are recording it a little early today, so that uh, oh yeah, it's our friend Michael can head up to oh. oh um, I heard today that the Ohio State is ranked second in the country yep. in football.
2: Yep. Yep. Without having played a game. Yes. So it's, it's very meaningful. It
1: is very meaningful. With that being said, that's a that's my segue into accommodation. Yep. Um,
0: <laughs> that was strong. Thanks.
1: <laughs> well, speaking of, uh, we try to second. accommodate. We try to accommodate people from Ohio. Yes. Because speaking of, Cleveland second is in Ohio. This was
2: yeah. the second. Message on of the series of the series on the Bible on the Bible. See there you go, there it is. Um,
0: Unbound, and I think some people really came unbound (laughs) on Sunday. (laughs) Well, Well, according
3: to the questions. there was a lot
0: of questions, which
2: was great. Yes, Uh, I think
0: really good questions. Yeah, like deep questions.
2: Yeah. Well, don't be surprised. I mean, this happens every week, but this was the volume. Yeah, the sheer volume was up there. (laughs) Was up there. Deep thinkers. We poked
1: the bear. Go. So why? Why did we... Po- I think... So it- why did we poke? Well, no, why had, did people ask? Why was this such yeah, a... Yeah, well, let Mike set that stage just a little bit. If you didn't hear on Sunday, you proposed this idea. You- I didn't propose it. Okay, you presented... Pro- I'm sorry. Presents it. You presented this... Um, uh, idea, idea of accommodation. I don't know if it's an idea. It is... It's. A, I think it's a truism, but it's a um, a way of understanding how God relates to us. <laughs> and so if you could explain what you meant by accommodation sure. on Sunday, I think that would be helpful to start there.
2: Well, the Bible's full of examples where God ad- adapts and adjusts to different situations involving the, the image bearers that he's made. We looked at examples like polygamy. Um, you would be totally forgiven for thinking the Bible's pro-polygamy because all of the major Old Testament characters, multiple wives. But the ideal of marriage was given on the first couple of pages. And then on page four with Lamech, we read, oh, well, he has multiple wives. And then that just introduces us to the reality of the situation on the ground. And so God gives a command in Exodus about, well, if you're going to marry multiple wives, then do it this way. And we call that Command the the distance between the ideal and the real, and God accommodating that we call that an accommodation, and this happens with uh, Jesus talking about divorce when He's like, guys, the, yeah, Moses permitted you to get a divorce in Deuteronomy, mm-hmm. but that was a concession to your hardness of hearts. Mm-hmm. So the simple point we were making, but it is it is it is mind blowing if you've not considered it. Is the idea that not everything in the Bible is is God's endorsing, um, or reflecting of God's perfect will, and so there are lots of things in the Bible that are recorded but don't stand under God's endorsement, and some of those things reflect the idea that God is accommodating the fallenness of human creatures over and over and over again, and so obviously that raises a bunch of questions. Yeah, I have a question. Oh, shock.
0: So, there were
2: nine
3: billion. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So,
0: (laughs) I have a friend who doesn't live here who listens to us regularly. And she and her husband have been faithful, faithful followers of Christ for many, many years. Yeah. Um, The background is um, mostly Pentecostal, New King James Bible mixed with some solid, um, like what most Baptists would believe in terms of doctrine and things like that. And her comment to me was, I loved that. It was so interesting. It made sense of so many things that come into my mind, but I don't think my husband would like that. Mm. I don't think he would like this message. Why would he not like this message?
2: I don't know. What, what, what did she mean Well, by I that? mean,
0: like... I think the questions that have been raised are coming from people who were never... I mean, like, I wasn't taught the word accommodation when it comes I was, to any I of this. I wasn't So, like, why would it make people angsty?
2: Well, anything that questions the golden tablet falling from heaven perfectly view mm-hmm. of the Bible, we've been taught a, a view of the Bible that actually keeps us from actually engaging with it.
0: Because That's really good. What you just said is really
2: good. Well, why? Well, thank, Well,
0: because Susie. I think that... Well, I don't want I want you to keep going.
2: Well, first of all, I will just say it again so that you, I can get that reaction. Well, Cuz that was awesome. I haven't been that. that affirmed since junior high. When I, I had never a new haircut parted so down the kidding. middle. I'm just saying, man. Lover boy. Well, just because we were,
0: we were all kind of. I feel like we were taught to like take the Bible as it is and as it what comes at face value to us. But what you just said that like that view actually keeps you from 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 engaging in a deeper way.
2: Absolutely. Carry on. Because that view doesn't take the Bible as it comes to us. It says it does, but that's not how the Bible works. And so last. Uh, a couple of Sundays ago, yeah. we were just looking at, at the claims the, the writers make about the origins of the Bible. Sometimes it was, well, I quoted from this other book over here. Other times God said, write it down. So I wrote it down. Mm-hmm. Sometimes Paul would say, well, this isn't a command from Jesus, but as one kind of deputized, I will offer this instruction. And so there, there's this beautifully a complex, rich, and nuanced divine partnership between the human side of the scriptures and the divine side of the scriptures that is totally reflected in the story the Bible itself tells. When we just sort of slap a big label over this thing that says, no, 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 it just fell from the sky perfectly. And and if God was involved, that means human had no participation in it. That's not an assumption the Bible itself makes. Mm -hmm. And so it's very easy for us to sort of look at the Bible and any questioning about the Bible is automatically bad or you're becoming liberal if you're questioning that the golden tablet fall from heaven view. And I just don't, just, I, I just don't think that's how Jesus treated the Bible or Paul treated the Old Testament or at all how the Bible presents itself to us.
1: Just as its makeup, just to, just, just, yes. just the makeup of it was over a series of thousands of years. 1,400. Okay. 1,400 years, over a thousand years. How many authors? 40, according to some the conservative scholars. Yeah. So you got all these different people that wrote different books over a period of 1,400 years, and there was a a silent period in there, and there was, and you come out with this book, and then you go, yeah, it fell from heaven, and it's perfect in all of its ways. And we ask questions about it, and then when you get, you get demonized for asking questions about it. And so the struggle becomes, I think, rather than asking the question of, of is it okay to do this? That it, it. How do you how do you engage it from a way and still say this way and still say it's authoritative? Yeah, I think yeah. that's the question we're getting mostly mm-hmm. is how do you engage it this way and still say
0: it's it still
2: yeah. is God's word is still authoritative? Absolutely, and and we would hold that it absolutely is.
0: I, I mean, I feel like for me, it gives it more authority.
2: Yes, why, I why agree. Is that, but why is it? that?
0: Because when I read it as something that reveals the nature and character of God and how he deals with his people, mm-hmm. then, and I read it as a whole like that, it makes me not only love him more, but love it more.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And I want, it makes me want to, it makes me want to, like I would a person that I'm in a relationship with, that I'm curious about, it makes me want to go further in understanding it. Mm. Because I know that even though it was written for a certain parts whatever parts of it were written for a certain group of people in a certain time in a certain place yeah. that you know there's still so much of that that is for me mm-hmm. and for us mm-hmm. to to behold
2: yeah and and i would say the fruit of our bible reading over mm-hmm. the last 20 years has been exposed to be really ugly mm-hmm. you know we've not been formed and shaped by the bible but rather we carve the Bible out into our image yeah. and not been challenged by it. And so I, I, I think that in the same way we hold intention, the divine nature of Jesus and the human nature of Jesus, we're asked to do the same thing with the authority of the scriptures. Mm-hmm. That, uh, and, and there are very liberal scholars who will make millions of dollars just pointing out things that shouldn't threaten us at all like well not everyone thinks that paul wrote all of paul's letters okay yeah um does that matter does that matter i mean when you
0: learn because i just learned that in my class last year yes and and at an evangelical seminary and it was super it was i mean really eye-opening to look at all the different views of who wrote all the letters and and yet, it doesn't change anything. No. It really didn't change well, anything.
2: Well, it, it, it doesn't have to. But if, <clears throat> but I know it, for
0: some people it does.
2: Well, if you're not prepared, if you've been told right. that the Bible is the golden tablet, fall perfectly from heaven, mm-hmm. then that would really threaten. Yeah. Um, but... but uh, the, and the other, the issue with the golden tablet view is it forces us to put modern categories on the Bible and have mm-hmm. expectations of it that the Bible doesn't have itself. How, how ancient historians worked, are, it's far different than how modern historians mm-hmm. worked, mm-hmm. right? Ancient biographers took liberties that modern biographers would never take, but that was considered normal. And so so one of the great harms that we do in uh, approaching the scriptures, we force it into modern categories and then either argue for it or against it using those modern categories Mm -hmm. when if we just were willing to relax and trust that God, if God is good and if if Jesus reveals the character of God, then the Bible we have is the Bible God wanted us to have Mm -hmm. in all of its complexity and nuance. Um, and we could simply engage it as it comes to us. It's okay that, that there were communities um, in ancient Israel and in uh, the first century who would often write and then attribute mm-hmm. what they're writing to someone famous. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter whether or not Paul re- actually wrote it. It was written in the name of Paul. Yeah. And the early church recognized it as consistent with, with what Paul was preaching and teaching. So I'm totally okay going, well, I don't know that it's super important to mm-hmm. me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, uh, I know Kevin, you've got some stuff we want to get into, well, but yeah what were some of the questions? Yeah, one of them I think that you know
1: flows out of this is if if the stories in the Old Testament are a culmination leading up to the story, the sacrifice of Jesus, would the idea of triage for the Old Testament be turned into the story of our need for a doctor? And Jesus being that doctor, and his sacrifice being our healing. Um, so, does the Old Testament the idea use the word triage before? Yes. Of God's "It's a Tim saying, Mackey word." That's yeah. Bible Project word, right? God looked at the mess and yeah. said, "Okay, we'll do
2: triage." Yeah. Is Jesus the ultimate form of triage? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yes, I mean Jesus is the ideal now in the fallen. Universe governed by powers and principalities. Jesus is the ideal, yeah, and um, and and understanding how Jesus is the ideal, and then mm-hmm. how that uh, impacts what it is that we're to be doing requires the Old Testament set up that it does. And remember, the Old Testament isn't the Old Covenant. The right. old The Old Testament is the record of Old Covenant people living uh, out the terms of that covenant. That's an interesting so so. There are parts of the Old Covenant that mm-hmm. we reject. We don't have to do the ceremonial laws or the priestly laws or whatever, mm-hmm. but the Old Testament itself is of absolute importance and significance to Jesus followers. You can't, you it can't separate it, it. Not only sets it up, but it's, it's, you can't make sense of the story that Jesus is telling mm-hmm. because he's telling that story. He's coming as the fulfillment mm-hmm. and the continuation yeah. of that story. So, Absolutely. So that lends itself to this
1: question: Why would he triage a world that's so broken and in need of saving? Is is this really a loving way to save it, or is it just adapting to more sin and allowing for more of it? <laughs> I actually think that's a really it's good, a really good, good question. Yeah. So the you, to wrestle with that, <clears throat> to wrestle with the idea,
3: why not just double down on the law? Is basically uh-huh. the question. Which is kind of how I would—I feel like I grew up. That was theology that God did, and He was so pissed about Everything. sin that He doubled down and killed people. Mm. Like That—that's my—that would be my view growing right. up. Right. It is a harsh God,
1: dealing with His creation in a harsh way. Yes. Said, "Look, I gave you the law. Just keep the law." Yeah. What's wrong with you? And can't you do this? Yeah. Mm, we can't. Right. We don't. Yeah. But it's
0: not like he was surprised by that and said, "All right, fine, I'll send Jesus." Right.
1: That's the other. (laughs) Right. The other tension that I'm hearing in a lot of these questions is, did God foresee this? Did He? Is He still one that knew what was coming? This bleeds into open theism a little bit. And and was God reacting to human, um,
2: human mistakes? Of course. All over the place, he's reacting. Nineveh, you're threatened with judgment. They repent. Oh, I withdraw the judgment. I mean, right? Like this is—it's fascinating. Because Which really ticked off Jonah. By the way, this <laughs> is the, the, what we're talking about is the greatest evidence of mercy—the mercy, mercy of, of God. God. Right. But we've been so trained to receive it as wrath and judgment, we can't—we don't can't even envision categories yeah. that show mercy. So, uh, to the on the one hand. Uh, does this encourage sin? Um Remember Paul had to deal with this when he was preaching uh, about justification to the Romans. And so, you know, when they say, "Hey, well if grace increases, to mm-hmm. sin should we sin all the more? So grace will abound and, all the more?" And and Paul has this, he goes on this riff about your baptismal identity that you've actually died to sin and so on. So to to raise that question that was raised against Paul's gospel too. And in in an accusatory way against Jesus being a friend of sinners. So For the sure. idea that you're encouraging sin that's something that if the if the true gospel is preached, that is automatically the question that's going to be raised. The second thing is accommodation doesn't minimize the ideal; it simply it, it simply takes the real and adjusts so that whatever that new real is points to the ideal in a different way. Right? Right? We do this with our kids all the time. Right? If one of my kids um, all of a sudden became a parent, right? Without um, without uh, all the traditional trappings of age, wisdom, marriage, and whatever.
0: That's a bad example.
2: I mean, I'm yeah. just saying. <laughs> actually, I don't, actually, it's a good one. You know? Their mean, kids are dating I everybody. Mean, <laughs> their kids are dating each other. Yeah, our kids are dating. So that's why she's saying this. But, but all of a sudden, right, The, the, the you have yeah. an interruption of the real. That wouldn't be my preference for them. Right. Probably wouldn't be their preference for them. But all of a sudden you have an an interruption of the real into the ideal, what we would count as the ideal. But what do we do then? Do we simply sit back and say, well, it's your mess, you deal with it, right? Which is what it sounds like a lot of us see God doing. Yeah. Or all of a sudden we're stepping in, we're stooping down and stepping into the mess of the situation, not out of judgment, but out of love, but realizing, okay, here's the mess, so now we're going to do as much triage as we can to point to the ideal, but now the ideal has been shaped by the reality of the situation. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden now, but the goal there isn't to encourage sin. The goal is to actually foster the ideal uh, in a new way, now that the real has sort of blown up, in mm-hmm. our midst. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah, Yes. Yeah, and so this, what, what, the, what causes this isn't permissiveness, but love, right? We treat each other, we had a, we had a really wonderful young lady ask a question about why we, should God accommodate us at all? He's so great and magnificent. Yeah. And my response was, well, love is accommodation. Ah. Right. That's just what love is like. Love is always bending around the reality of the other person. And for those of us who've been married for any length of time, that's what marriage is. Right. You're bending each other's life around the other. And it's done out of love. It's not done out of permissiveness. And we call that enabling. Right. Right. Then it's bad. But the natural expression of what love is, 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 it is it is the natural and inevitable adjustment of my life uh, to make room for the dignity of another image bearer. And so God practices this all the time. So I totally get the question. And yes, if you've been raised in the God hates us sort of point of view, you would look down and say, well, God doubled down on the law. But he actually doesn't. He doesn't. That's not what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Remember, the law wasn't given to justify Israel. Right? Paul, I mean, the law, when Paul uses the word law, he's meaning the works of the law or the signposts of the law that reflect Jewish identity that Gentiles were claiming separated them from other Gentiles. The law doesn't mean just the Torah. For them, for the Jews, the Torah was a gift. It Mm -hmm. was good. It was wisdom. It was delighted in. So, uh, so many of our categories are wrong and and therefore they just lead us inevitably to this wonderful question. And... And what we find, and we wrestle with
1: this, people ask the question: Jesus did came to fulfill the law, but it was to be the ideal. That's it right. It was. It's. It was to
2: shut the law down. No,
1: it was to. This is the embodiment That's of right. the ideal, and that that was a great act of mercy by God right. to give us. And what does He do? He he walks out the law in a way that no one expected him to walk it out. Yeah.
2: But notice how he accommodates his disciples. Right, Peter denies him three times. He restores Peter to ministry in exactly the same mm-hmm. way, right? The disciples are slow of hearing and understanding and they mess it up. And at times he's frustrated with them. And at other times he's loving them into their future. And other times, but he's constantly holding out the real to them, mm-hmm. which was life in his kingdom, mm-hmm. but adjusting but right w- to the reality of their fallenness.
1: And people would say, no, he was being permissive and in his permissiveness he was just saying you can you can sin all the more
2: i will just keep forgiving you that is that is what people hear yeah but they if won't... you believe the gospel is simply about forgiving mm-hmm. my sin right. and saving my soul to heaven when i die then then you're going to read everything through that lens yes
0: it's so interesting how we always talk about the family being the ideal like earthly image of god's family and marriage being you know, the relationship between Christ and his church. Mm. But then when we talk about the real grittiness of it in this way, and we use these examples, we have a hard time accepting that.
2: Right, right? Yeah. Exactly. And that same tension Mm
0: -hmm. is what
2: we're presented with in the Bible. Yeah. That all of this theory is great. But then you're sitting in there and you're going, "Why would God want to kill Moses?" And his wife comes and does something weird, mm-hmm. and it's like, "What?" And 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 why is it exactly um, that there are, um, <laughs> you know, different? Like there are two lepers at the gate in one account. And there's one leper in the gate in another account. And is it two visits, or were they just trying to do something that didn't mm-hmm. doesn't fit exactly into the mold? what our expectations of history should Mm -hmm. be. Um, And so I I totally agree, Suze. There's a place for the mess. And we have to say, God's not shocked, surprised, worried, alarmed. He works. He's found Mm -hmm. in it, among it, and through it. Right? And he's committed himself to the mess.
0: So to the person who would say, well, this is a man-centered gospel and not a Christ-centered gospel, would you say, absolutely. I mean, I would... As we're talking, I'm thinking, absolutely not, because this puts on full display mm-hmm. how good and Magnificent. glorious and yeah. kind and merciful and, and gracious and compassionate God really is with
2: his people. So when you see a parent mm-hmm. properly disciplining in love and grace, mm-hmm. is that a parent a focus or a um, child focused? way of, of parenting. See, for me, that's yeah. a parent-focused yeah. way of parenting. For it's sure. a, Right? The glory isn't going to the child who's being disciplined. Mm-hmm. The glory is going to the parent who in the middle of whatever disobedience there was yeah. is now reacting in love and kindness.
0: And you know, the parent knows what they're doing and they're totally. shepherding the child yes. towards the ideal.
2: Yeah, so this... Uh, and, and, and what? Uh, Most of the time. Trying well, yeah, to. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm trying to. I'm talking about good, I'm talking about good parents. Oh, yeah, not okay. us. Yeah, okay. Not us, not us. But but you wouldn't look at that parenting situation. Are you situation. criticizing my
0: parenting? No, I was looking at Tim when I you said would, it. You
2: wouldn't look at that situation and Drinking go, kombucha. man, that guy... Or yeah. a girl is really wrapping themselves up around their child, you'd be like, No, glory goes to the parent mm-hmm. for being so wise and loving. And so,
0: long suffering.
2: And oh, very sure. long suffering.
1: Well, <laughs> exactly. We all, we all know what it looks like when a child is not disciplined right. and they're out of control and, and the parent does nothing. Right. And watches this out of control child take and we and we we
3: we pity the child. Mm-hmm. Right. I feel like you're making the opposite point, though, in some ways, that you're you're kind of propping up the the strong parent, the strong. Don't I said don't do that. I'm gonna discipline is different of, than diff- so what's the difference between discipline, discipline and accommodation?
1: Well, discipline and um, punishment are two different things. Discipline is corrective, and and born out of the idea of mercy, whereas. Punitive or punishment is born out of I am I'm the dominant I'm in power you will follow my rules, and there is a a it's not correcting towards something it is just trying to eliminate a behavior those are two different things, um, both both can be effective in changing behavior but one is effective in changing a heart, the other one hardens the heart.
3: So this accommodation, uh huh, is. Dealing with the heart. I believe it is. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, the,
1: the behavior. It changes the way you see the authority. Because if it was just doubling down on the behavior, it would come across as not merciful, not kind, not loving.
2: Well, we've been around religious communities that just double down on the behavior. Yeah. Right? And does that help the behavior? It doesn't. It just it goes underground and, and it hides. Um. And we've been around religious communities that actually are interested in the, in the real. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and give permission. Well, just mm-hmm. be however you are. And neither of those right. is what we're talking about right. when we use right. the word accommodation. Correct. What we're talking about is the um, fundamental acceptance of people into the community of faith again and again and again on the basis of the work of Jesus and their allegiance to him. That he then begins to parent them, our father who art in heaven, he begins to parent them towards maturity in in uh, communion with the church and the mm-hmm. sacraments and the spirit um, and and not excusing sin, but ordering discipleship so that the most important issues are dealt with first, right? And so all of a sudden now, and, and we would do this at our best, we would do this with our children exactly in the way Kevin's... Describing that, that we're calling their hearts forward, that they're loved in their badness. They don't have mm-hmm. to shut down in their badness. They are loved even then. Like there's nothing that can happen that's going to separate. I tell my kids this, that separates you from my love. Right? Mm-hmm. Exactly yeah. the words of, of, of Paul to us. Not a darn thing. That doesn't mean, however, that every step I'm making is a step towards the ideal. And so there are times where I make a decision of such significance, the real now interrupts that progress. And now the ideal God shifts in pastoring me towards the same ideal, but now from a different perspective, because my reality is different. So I think we, I think we're a, we all do this to each other all the time. It's not a, I don't think it should be a threatening concept or a surprise that God would do this. I think it's 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 a credit to his majesty. Can we see that. God, this one of the questions is, can we see God
1: still exercising accommodation in today's world, yeah. in our society, in our culture, in our in this world now? Do you guys see this accommodation?
2: Um, that, it, it depends on, on what we mean by the word see there. In other words, do we <laughs> see it with the same authority that we have in the text? No. No. The the text with the death of the eyewitnesses to the original Jesus movement the text is the text is is full. Well,
1: um, well, let me clarify the question: Is there a connection then between um, God's accommodation in the Old Testament um, and the grace that He exercises in the? New Testament. Yeah, both
2: are grace. Mm -hmm. I mean, his accommodation, the the first thing of the Ten Commandments was I I am the Lord who has rescued you. Right. So So it's all grace.
1: So we can connect those dots between accommodation being act of mercy and act of grace an act of God. work. And today, when God chooses, you know, when God chooses not to do something or Mm. chooses to withhold or whatever,
2: I'm not sure I get that last part.
1: Okay. Well,
3: go into the idea of grace. Um, if the question is... I, I To me, the question seems to be, is he still accommodating? That, that
1: but, but, what
2: is, but in what way are right. we meaning? Are we meaning like he's introducing new law on the ground now? Or, as we would say, Christ is the ultimate accommodation. Okay. Yes. And that the Spirit, word and community exists now to not only call us into belonging as we are and then work towards the transfer, transformation of us towards maturity so in a sense of course he of course he is but in another sense he's not at all because Jesus is the is the great accommodation mm-hmm. you know what i mean and and that the the echoes of what Jesus has done in his life death resurrection and ascension are so powerful and still reverberate, all we're doing now is lining ourselves with what was happening. So so we have to be super careful. So you take the evangelical church, for instance. Uh, divorce used to be a big deal in the evangelical church, yeah. right? That was a like unmentionable mm-hmm. yeah. sort of yeah. sin. And then all of a sudden, there were so many people getting divorced that we don't talk about it a lot. And if we do talk about it, we kind of have to let people know we're going to talk about it, and the divorced people are already hurt and feeling guilt and shame and I even won't go and blah 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 blah. so there's an accommodation by the church. Does that accommodation represent the spirit? I think that's tough to say because on the one hand, all the energy that was you know that was um, given towards representing the marital ideal all of a sudden that just went away when culture changed right and um And so you could argue it either way. You could argue on the one hand, well, the real has changed. And so the ideal is still one man, one wife, one lifetime. But you're a whole group of people who, for whatever reason, have already not experienced that ideal. So what do we invite them into if they're getting remarried? The original ideal, right? So you could look at it either way as permission or as healthy accommodation and inviting people into the reality. And and, and I think the truth is it's both. Right, that, that the church is constantly in this dance with culture as culture kind of moves in different places. And the church is sitting back and going, well, can we affirm this? Can we sit behind this? Can we align ourselves with this? Some will say yes. Some will say no. Neither of those does great, great justice to the nuance of, um, of the Bible's teaching. So you take sexuality. It's the like preeminent example. Right. Culture's changed around gender norms and sexual norms and behaviors and what's acceptable and what's not. So you look at the divorce example and say, well, if we've accommodated a divorce, then why wouldn't we accommodate gay marriage or um, polygamy or whatever, yeah. Yeah. right? Because that's already happened, so why wouldn't we do it again, right? The counter, of course, uh, would be, well, the ideal is still Genesis 1 and 2. That has never changed, right? right? There's no There's no evolving beyond... I mean, when Jesus was asked about marriage and divorce, he didn't point forward and say, yeah, we're getting to the place where it doesn't matter. No, he pointed back to the garden. And so we sit in this really difficult, and this is the hardest thing that we have to navigate as a community. How do we deal with the real in ourselves and in our midst while still holding up the ideal presented in the creational design and right. in Christ? Yeah. And that working out is the most beautiful heart-wrenching difficult work that we're invited into and that's why it's just easier to say nope it's all right or, or nope it's all wrong and we're done and we don't have to have any more conversations about it the posture we want to take is well it really depends you know not all divorces are the same not all um, people who are wrestling or not wrestling with homosexuality are the same not people who not everyone who's wrestling with porn or lust are the same. And so so we, and, and and we recognize that if we have to get cleaned up before we can be a part of the faith community, none of us none of us would be here. Mm-hmm. So there has to be some sort of permission to come as we are, as the tax collectors and prostitutes did, and still be called to repentance out of that kindness and hospitality. So both have to be held in tension. And if we're not feeling that tension, then odds are we've missed a bit of what the New Testament's inviting us into. And
1: so with that comes the the question is, you know, we, we talk about this all the time. It's one of your things that you talk about is we, we do church together. We are the church and we are to be the church. And the church is described in the New Testament in such a way that we are the body of Christ. And so when people encounter the church, they are to encounter Christ. And with that comes a level of, if you, if we're going to use the terminology he's talking about, accommodation. And with that accommodation of grace and mercy comes this lens of, and this is where people get, lose their minds. It's like, yeah, but you're looking past their sin. You're looking past what they're doing and, and you, you're seeing them as a person, but you've got to tell them what they're doing is wrong. You have to point out their sin. And, and, and that's probably the biggest hang up with accommodation. When when we come to the church, the church becomes this judgmental what are we crino? Come on. That, come on. That says to people who aren't quite right, whatever that is, you can put that you can it's the type of kombucha they drink, right? And we say you're not welcome in our community until you stop drinking that kombucha, or you stop doing that, or you stop doing that. And we pick and choose our sins yeah. based upon what, we will, what we're willing to accommodate. We're willing to accommodate greed, sure. Right. Greedy people That's are welcome. Come on, preach. Um, greedy people. Uh, prideful.
2: Prideful. We're, we're, and, and God I mean, speaks so much about this. So then, Neglecting
1: the poor. Right. So we accommodate them. Yeah. But That's we won't it. accommodate somebody who's struggling with their sexual identity. Yeah, we
2: accommodate the sins we commit. <clears throat> That's
1: the point. So, so the church. No, well, yeah, it's I, true. I know, but what I'm I, I'm just saying that the church itself, when we embody the church, when we really do that, Jesus sat with a with pro, a prostitute and let her wash his feet. What would we say? That's the question. Would we? Are they welcome here to be able to not, and, and not that we're looking at them as though they're perfect, but also to let them encounter the true Christ in such a way that their life is changed. Just like us. Just like yeah. us. Cause we accommodate each other. Yeah. Whether we want to say it out loud or not, right. we accommodate each other right. in the body. I don't, I don't know how that's bad until it becomes enabling or until it becomes it moves into a place of um, where loving is not loving and i don't and, and that permissiveness piece of it is hard to define Ooh, i got i got lots more questions but mm-hmm. we don't have to Me too <laughs> yeah. i know That's i'm a like good, good oh place to end. <laughs> oh, <good> <laughs> did i make everybody nervous now or what no no okay well with that we are going to continue this series for three more weeks because we've added a sunday to it and um, we're looking forward to your questions. Please keep asking them. We will do our best to answer them. And the truth is, we don't know the answers to all these questions. And um, even, even the answers we gave today, you may go, I disagree. We're cool, that's fine. Um, but where, where can they write in? They can write in. It'll be in the show notes. The text number is in the show notes. And uh, you guys have a, a great week and we will see you next week.
0: Bye-bye. If you enjoyed today's episode, we would love it if you would share a screenshot of this episode to your Instagram story and tag us at journey underscore TN. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app.